Well, I get to start off with some uh, exciting news. Um, we now have a new brother in Christ as of Wednesday night. Uh, Cameron Thompson made a decision on Wednesday uh, to be clothed in Christ. We didn't talk about this beforehand, but it's okay. I'm going to ask you to stand up so that people know our new brother in Christ. This is Cameron. Uh, a lot of you have been praying for him. I appreciate you being here and uh, very excited that we get to be a part of the body of Christ together. So excited about our journey, but I wanted to let you all know as we rejoice together on uh, that decision. And so uh, before we begin our lesson, let's pray together. Hey, Father, we come before you. Thank you, you so much for what you have done in our lives. But uh, we are very thankful for the good news that uh, Cameron has given himself over to you. And I pray that you'll continue to strengthen him, strengthen all of us as we're uh, walking on this journey with you. As uh, Sometimes we may wonder, but we know that you are our strength and our shield, and we ask that you will help us to stay with our feet on the right path. Be with us as we study this morning. Help us to come to an understanding of your word so that we may share it with others. We love you, God, and praise to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, as we continue our study of We Are Israel, should be continuing our study of We Are Israel, we're going to be looking at the Israelites in the wilderness. You know, I think of a few distinctive moments in the history of the Jews that really makes them stand out. And the wanderings is one of them that comes to mind. It just may not come to sight for us today. But you think about uh, these defining moments in the history of the Jews. The, the wanderings is maybe one of them that comes to your mind. Maybe you focus on the Exodus and them coming out of Egypt. And we dealt with that a little bit in context in various lessons so far. But outside of that, they end up in the wilderness. And that is a major moment in their history, and one that we have dealt with as well in different contexts. Gift did an excellent job looking at some of the main grumblings that the Israelites had in the wilderness. And we won't be focusing so much on those parts of it as we will the things leading into what happened, leading up to them being in the wilderness, and how did they end up in this wandering time together. So we're going to be looking at a few chapters, uh, starting in Numbers chapter 14, but we'll also back up a little bit as well, as we're trying to figure out how did they end up in this predicament, and what can we learn from them in regard to our journey in life, what are some mistakes that they made, and how can we avoid them ourselves? Try one more time, and we'll let it be. Maybe it came unplugged down here. Well, I get to see it, and you don't. So, so we think about the Israelites. We're going to be looking at Numbers chapter 14, the passage that we just read about how did they end up in the wilderness. Well, it's a consequence of some of their previous actions. If you think about what a wanderer is, if you get just a basic definition of a wanderer, it's a person who travels aimlessly. I don't know why recently, in just some random conversations I've had with people, we've been trying to describe how people walk. Every time I come into the office, Giff has a very specific description for how I come into the office. He says I lumber into the office, walking around that way. Uh, but we ended up in a conversation with some of the college students about uh, how people walk around, that they, uh, they meander, maybe someone like that. Uh, they just kind of just seem to just kind of float from one maybe conversation or from one place to the other. When you think about a wanderer, maybe that's what comes to your mind, someone who meanders walking along aimlessly, not really having a purpose. 
Part of the Israelites being in the wilderness for 40 years is they just wondered. Now, God was guiding them, and there's some very specific reasons why this happened and what God was trying to get as an outcome from that. But as the Israelites were in the wilderness, they were just wondering for 40 years as a result of some things that happened. But the result of what's going to come from this is very beneficial for them as a nation, especially as they're going to be coming into the promised land. And that is of great value to them. But let's go back and look at our verses in Numbers chapter 14. Make a few observations from here, pull in some other context, and then we'll talk about some application beyond this. Numbers chapter 14, starting in verse 20. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. Now what came into this is that the Israelites started complaining, of course. They're not even in the wilderness where they're going to be complaining about more things, but they complain and uh, it's going to get them in trouble. And the, what they're complaining about is what they hear about the promised land in which they are going. And so God's going to have a punishment for them. And he really was going to destroy them. And he was going to reestablish Moses and have the line from there. But they have this dialogue as they've done in the past. And this is the open communication between Moses and God. And so God is speaking to Moses and he says, Okay, I have pardoned according to your word as we talked about. But really this is in fulfillment of God's promise. This was already there. Verse 21, But truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, as in other people seeing God and knowing that He is everywhere, because a part of this in the history of the Jews is to elevate God. Some of the responses about the Israelites wanting, you know, saying that we're going to die in the wilderness or we're going to die out here because we don't have food and we don't have water, that they were saying, you know, if we die out here, then what does this mean to God's name? If He brought us up out of Egypt with His strong arm and then just allows us to starve to death, what does that say about God? Well, God says, look, my fullness is in over in all the earth and over all the earth, that people will come to this knowledge. And so uh, all this is building a case for who he is. Verse 22, none of the men who, I have seen, who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times, have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. There's this group of people, this nation as a whole, but specifically these people that have come up out of Egypt that have lost focus. And they start complaining to God. God has to deal with that mindset, a very dangerous mindset in their life. And, and what he's going to do is he's going to allow them to go into this wilderness. And the people that were complaining, those that have come out that saw God's strong arm, saw all the great things that he did, they're going to die in the wilderness and a new generation will come. Now for those that were part of our study on Sunday morning, um, last quarter in the auditorium, we were talking about Deuteronomy. And so maybe you can start making some connections from that previous study about uh, in Deuteronomy, they're standing at the Jordan River about to come into the promised land, and they reflect back on where they've come uh, in this journey. But one of the things that Moses is saying, he says, you guys are a new generation that's about to come in this promised land, and none of you experienced what they had previously, although it was those 20 and below that got to come in. But he's talking about those that were aware of what were happening. But if you continue on in this verse, uh, one that we did not read in our scripture reading, but I want to pick up here, and then like I said, we'll uh, backtrack just a little bit into uh, the story of Numbers. But in Numbers chapter 14, starting in verse 31, listen to what's going on here. As God is speaking, He says, But your little ones who have, uh, excuse me, but your little ones who you said would become a prey, I'll bring in, and they shall know the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness, and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness. Forty years, and shall suffer for your faithlessness 
until the last of your dead bodies lie in the wilderness. Verse 34, according to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity 40 years and you shall know my displeasure. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this I will do for all those uh, wicked congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness, they shall come to a full end and there they shall die. Now, this is very strong language to think about the bodies just dying in the wilderness as they're passing on, they're dying, they're, they're burying them as they go around and around in this one general area. But we're going to see the reason why God did this. And if you haven't already picked up on what's happening here, or at least what we've alluded to, it's going to be very apparent in just a second. But God is trying to reverse what they were doing. Some of the things that He's calling them out for here you can go back to Numbers chapter 14, starting in verse 1, and you'll see what he's dealing with. He said, you know, you're worried that your children are going to die in Egypt, and you're wanting to take them back there, but I'm going to take care of them here in the land that you rejected that you won't get to see. We know those that are 20 and below, and then Joshua and Caleb, uh, they'll get to come into the land, but Moses is going to be right there at the brink of the land, seeing it from a distance, but not being able to enter in because he disobeyed as well. As we focus on the Israelites wandering in the wilderness, there are three things that come to my mind that I observe about them that I think will also have some correlation to us. They had the wrong mindset. Their minds were not focused on the right kind of thing. Number two, they had not found their identity. They didn't really know who they were in their own sight and in the sight of God. They were still attached to some previous things in their life. And they did not fully trust God. Part of this journey they're going to be going on literally is a journey with God, learning how to trust Him. And God has done this before. He finds ways to make people trust Him or learn to trust Him because it's our decision. But He wants to guide us to the right way of seeing who He is and what He's able to do. And so these three things I observe as wanderers, and if you haven't picked up on this as well, it's what we go through in life. It's issues that we run into. Now, if you're following along and uh, you like maps, I like maps. I, I like picturing things in the right way. Just think about the Israelites, because it's up here now. Uh, as they're coming out of Egypt, you've got the Nile River, and they've come over here in the general area of uh, where Mount Sinai, and they spent some time here, and they're going to start going up uh, to this area right here, Kadesh Barnea, if you see that in the text. But this is going to be the very southern border of the Promised Land. So uh, you can see the Dead Sea which is this over here, all the way up to the Sea of Galilee, but all this is the promised land. Actually, uh, the boundaries that were given to Abraham are going to come up to here. This is the Mediterranean, and you've got the Mesopotamian over here for all of you guys that like to study geography. If not, that's fine. Um, but you, this is uh, the land that's going to be given to them. As we're following along in the story, we're going to pick up in Numbers chapter 11, and we're going to see uh, some complaints that they have, but they end up in this part of the wilderness right here, and they're actually going to send out those 12 spies. Those 12 spies are going to journey all the way up to here and come back down and give a report. But just know that all of the people are in this area, and when they start traveling, they don't get to come into this promised land because they were focused on the wrong kind of things. They're actually going to travel all the way down uh, to this area right here and come back up. They're going to avoid Edom and Moab, and then right here at the top of the Dead Sea is where they're going to stop, where Deuteronomy comes in and uh, talks about the conquest in Joshua. So there's you a map. You can also flip to the back of your Bible if you have one of those really good colorful maps there and see all these things as well. Uh, but I want to at least give you that observation just to know where we are in this story geographically, but also as we think about them spiritually. So the first thing that we came to a conclusion of about them and why they're in their wilderness, 
They had an unhealthy mindset. You know, the mind can be very deceiving. If you think about the mind and the heart and uh, those things working together, our internal capacity that we have to reason, but also uh, our, you know, irrational thoughts that we have, things that just pop up in our mind that Jesus tells us to take captive. Our mind can run in so many different places. And maybe you wake up in the morning and your mind starts racing and you start focusing on the wrong thing. Doesn't that just change your whole day, the whole dynamic of your day, just because you focused on one wrong thing for the morning? You don't even know where the thought came from. Hadn't thought about it in days, and all of a sudden you start stressing about this idea that has come to your mind. Unhealthy mindsets are not good. They're damaging. They stop growth. They stop progression in the right way toward God. Now, there's one specific mindset that I've noticed in the Israelites, and there's, there's multiple ones that we could talk about, but in our context here, there's one that really sticks out to me. And before I reveal it to you, let's back up just a moment and think about where the Israelites are here. Now, as I pointed out, they were at Mount Sinai. That's where they got all these commandments, all these teachings from God. And that was a, a, a tremendous experience for them as they are at the, uh, the brink of the mountain and they're seeing all the fire and the thunder, hearing the voice of God with the Ten Commandments and then receiving all the other commandments and Moses being up there for 40 days and coming down and breaking uh, the commandments because the tablets of stone, that is, uh, breaking those because the Israelites had lost their focus and they had made, what, a golden image at the brink of the mountain. They'd lost focus just right there. As the presence of God is in front of them, they said, here's the God that brought us up out of Egypt. Not really connecting the two here, and we find out what happens from there. But as they are at Mount Sinai, they are only about a year out of the Exodus. There's a couple of timestamps that you can look at in the book of Numbers. In Numbers chapter 1, Starting in verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of the meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year that they had come up out of the land of Egypt. And as you read their numbers, he's going to back up a little bit on this timeline of this, you know, at the end of the first year into the second one. But right here, as he's about to count everybody, uh, it's this first month. There's a few other places that you'll notice as well where you get this timeline just to find... Uh, where we are getting our orientation in the book of Numbers. Further in, in Numbers chapter 9, starting in verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they had come up out of the land of Egypt, saying... It's actually going to point back to some of the issues they had at the brink of the mountain, how they should get themselves right. But it's another timeline for us. But this is where they're going to celebrate the Passover for the first time. Looking back and thinking, this is what God led us out of Egypt for. We're celebrating this after receiving all these commandments and, and the, the tabernacles and all this kind of stuff that uh, it's all right here in front of them. Another one's in Numbers chapter 10, verse 11. In the second year, in the second month, on the 20th day of the month, the cloud lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony. And the people of Israel set out by stages from the wilderness of Sinai. And the clouds settled down in the wilderness of Paran, which is where Kadesh Barnea is. That's going to be at the, the bottom of uh, the promised land. In verse 13, this is Numbers 10, verse 13. They set out for the first time at the command of the Lord by Moses. Now, envision what's happening here. They've been, they've been camped out. They've been preparing all of their provisions. They've been uh, building this tabernacle and building everything that they need. They used some of their resources on the golden calf. Moses fixed that. Now they have everything they need to start traveling. And for the first time, they break camp. 
the way that God intended. You know, he's going to tell them, he says, here's the tabernacle, here's how you're supposed to orient yourself around it. This tribe's supposed to be here, 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 and here. Uh, this is what the cloud looks like when it overshadows it. This is what you're going to be following, this, uh, this cloud and this pillar of fire. All these kind of things are there to guide you, and for the first time, they're walking out with God guiding them. There should be a lot of confidence. There should be a lot of trust here at this moment as they are going out for the first time and God's going to lead them somewhere and they just go on a very short journey, just a few days to end up in this wilderness. And they know that they're going to this promised land that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had been talking about and they came into Egypt and they were there for 400 plus years, but they shared these stories and they talked about what is supposed to come when we come into this land, but they don't know what they're about to face. They don't know the enemies that are there. They don't know the opposition that's waiting for them. So when they come into this wilderness, they have this idea. They said, okay, let's send out some spies into that land so we know what's happening. So they get one spy from all the 12 tribes. So these 12 spies, and they go off on that journey. And it's a good distance from where they are up to the northern point of the promised land. The equivalent would be from us walking from Montgomery, Alabama to Chattanooga and back. That's about the, the distance that they would have traveled in 40 days to go up to that land, find out what's going on, and they're going to come back. And as they go through the land, they're looking at it, and they're going to bring back this big cluster of grapes. And they're going throughout the land, and they're taking note of these enemies and this nation and these people, and they come back, and they're going to reveal all of this to the people. So we pick up in Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them. So all the congregation showed them the fruit of the land, coming in bearing this big thing of grapes on a pole between two of them. And they said, we came to the land of which you sent us, and it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. So he just showed them geographically. He said, they're all over the place. Verse 30, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him were not able to go up against the people, for they said that we are stronger, that they are stronger than we. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that, defi that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And here we get the first unhealthy mindset. Of, I mean, you probably identified a lot of them in this context. But did you see what he's about to say here? And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seem to them. It's very unhealthy for them to go into this land that God told them you're going to have. And when you come to this land, I'm going to take care of you. He had already given them the, uh, the commandments at Mount Sinai. And you can go back in the retelling and in uh, Deuteronomy 28 uh, through the end of 29, and you can see the blessings and cursings. And he told him, he said, look, when you come to this land that I'm going to give to you, if you will focus on me, you don't have to worry about all the enemies. You don't have to worry about those people that you're about to face. He's going to tell Joshua later on in Joshua chapter 1, he says, be strong and courageous. Don't go to the left or to the right, but know that wherever your foot uh, lands that I will be with you and no one can overcome you. And we see that through the conquest of Joshua, but there here at the brink of the mountain, I mean, at the brink of the, the promised land, 
and they see themselves as grasshoppers, thinking too little. Can you think of some other characters in the Bible that thought too little of themselves? How about the uh, one that's leading them in this moment, Moses? When he's first called, when he's in the wilderness, and God says, you're going to be my spokesman, you're going to go back into Egypt, and you're going to get these people released by speaking on my behalf, what does Moses say? He speaks too little of himself. There's many other characters as well as we go through the Bible. Maybe you think about Gideon hiding in the wine press. And God coming to him, he says, oh, man of valor, hiding from your enemy. And the journey he goes on to, to learn to trust in God and to grow from there. When we think too little of ourselves, we lose focus. And one of the, this reason attached to the others is why they were led into the wilderness wanderings. They didn't think that they could overcome the enemy. They didn't think they could do what they needed to do. And part of them having this unhealthy mindset they were thinking that uh, what they left is worth returning to. Think about that for a second. What they left was worth returning to. Yeah, we know when we were in Egypt that uh, they tried to work us to death. Yeah, they wanted to kill our children and to uh, make sure that our baby boys were thrown into the Nile. But man, they had some good food. You know, they had more than just bread and quail. They had cucumbers. They had melons, they had all of these uh, leeks, they had everything that we wanted. They had a little green when we're out here. See, they were thinking too little about what God is able to do and even about themselves. You know, thinking too little of yourself as in a, a grasshopper against your battles, you're never going to think of yourself winning them. You can't envision it, you can't see it. Thinking that the outcome is impossible. You know, we've talked about the Israelites that they have been delivered. They had all of these things removed, all the oppression that they were in in Egypt. They got to leave from that and walk with God and be guided by Him, but they still couldn't actually leave Egypt in their mind. And one of the reasons why they're in the wilderness and why those bodies are dying there that came up out of Egypt is because they could not let it go. If we have been saved, we've been removed, our sins removed from us, we've uh, been raised up as a new creature in Christ, then why are we still focusing on where we've come from? Why are we thinking too little of ourselves, thinking that God can't actually help us in what we're about to face? Or maybe just in daily struggles. We don't think that God is able to give us the strength through His Word, through uh, these teachings, and, and through one another in the church, and all these great blessings that we have in Christ that, I don't know, I just can't make it through life. I can't face that big decision. I can't face that move. I can't face that conversation. It's thinking like yourself as a grasshopper against the enemies that are in front of you. It's an unhealthy mindset. It's one that's not going to be positive in our lives and we end up wondering because of it. And remember, a wonder is someone who just walks around aimlessly. We can walk around aimlessly in our Christian life if we don't set our mind on Christ and on God and do what He tells us to do. Regardless of what is out there in front of us that we're afraid of, knowing that we have God's strength in our life. But here's the second thing. They had a missing identity. And this is all you know, kind of stacked together and related, but they had a missing identity. If they were to come up out of Egypt, as we said, they wanted to kind of hold on to it. If you come into Numbers chapter 14, starting in verse 1 and going through 4, this is what they say, And then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night, and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. 
the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. It would be better to die in Egypt than die here. Or that we had died in the wilderness. And they've only been in the wilderness for just a, a little bit of time. You know, two years that they've been outside of Egypt. A little bit in light of the 40 years they're about to be in another wilderness. They don't know what's coming. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Now, do you see where that connection is, what we read in verses 31 through 35? He said, you're worried about your little ones, but they're going to be shepherds. They're going to be taken care of because you were thinking too little and not actually establishing your identity in God. You couldn't see what was actually available to you. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said one to another, let us choose a leader and go back. What does it mean to have an identity? You know, who are you? It's one of just basic questions in life as we talk about each other. Who are you? What makes you, what makes you tick? Uh, what, what helps you do things in the day? What do you think about yourself? When you look in the mirror, what do you see? This, this idea of an identity. For them, as they were coming up out of Egypt, they didn't know what they really were. They were sojourners and they were wanderers. Even in this point for two years, they left what was home, although it was not a good home. But they left that. And God's promising all these things uh, previously to them and continues the promise, but they, they don't have a permanent place to stand. They don't know where they really are. And God's told them you're this great nation, but it doesn't really feel that way. Yeah, we've got a bunch of people. And so maybe this is part of Abraham's blessing, this great descendant, but this land that's waiting for us that now that... We're not going to be able to take it. We're not going to be able to live there because there's other people living there that we're afraid of. They had not actually established who they are. If they had found and you know, really set their feet that we belong to God and we are His people. But because of the bad mindset and the way that they saw themselves, they were just grasshoppers. They hadn't really found their place with God. And of course, this is going to lead to the third one which is a lack of trust. And they, they all just join together, but maybe you can find some separate parts in your own life uh, and what's happening in this story here. They had a lack of trust. And God has tried to get people to trust Him from the very beginning. Something as simple as Adam and Eve being in the garden and saying, just trust me, don't touch this tree. But they trusted something else, their own desires and the, the voice of the serpent. But a lack of trust. Numbers chapter 14, verse 11. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs that I have done among them, I will strike them with pestilence and uh, disinherit them, and I will make you a great nation, greater, greater and mightier than they. God telling Moses that, look, they're all going to die. And they have this conversation, that's where only those that are 20 and above that were in Egypt. They're the ones that are going to die in the wilderness. But God notices that this is a problem of the lack of trust. Now, as we use Christian terms and we kind of fold everything in together as we think about belief and faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, the story of faith makes us reflect back on these kind of things and see that if we believe in God and we trust Him, that we will make movements toward wherever and whatever He would have us to do in our lives. But God is noting in this moment that they don't trust Him. It's not a lot of dependence on him. I think it's interesting as you go through their time in the wilderness. So after he says, all right, y'all start marching. Y'all start walking and 
I'll lead you, and when I tell you to stop, you stop. It may be for a few days, maybe for one day, maybe for a few months, or maybe a few years in this wilderness. Start walking. One of the first things that they encounter, and uh, you can glance through Numbers chapter 14, 39 through 45, God tells them, look, don't go to battle. Don't go against these enemies that are there, and they wouldn't trust them, and they decided to go on their own, and they, they get hit hard. They get their feet knocked out from under them. They get knocked back. God said, look, I told you. When are you going to trust me? Something as simple as this, one little fight against them. I told you not to walk to the left or to the right. Just stay center. And part of what they do when they go against Edom and they come into these other lands, you go through uh, the first few chapters of Deuteronomy, looking back on this, it's all a trial for them to trust God. If he says stop, you stop. If he says go, you go. If he says don't go there, you don't go there. It should be easy, simple commands. But a lack of trust will say, I know what you're saying, God, and I just can't do that. I know what your law says. I know what your book says. I know what you want in my life, but I just can't do that. It's a complete lack of trust. So as we look at their wonderings and why they were led into them for these 40 years, and you can look at all those stories that we go through the grumblings, like I said, the gift did an excellent job on. A bad mindset, unhealthy mindset, a lack of identity of being placed in God, and a lack of trust will make us do some really aimless things in life. Maybe you look into your Christian life and you feel like you're just wandering around aimlessly, but you don't have a lot of drive. Maybe that spiritual meter is just not filling up uh, that, that feeling that we have or the ideas that, uh, you know, I'm just not doing enough. I'm not really compelled to, to go talk to anybody. I'm not really that, you know, desirous to even come to worship or to study. And we, we start getting lethargic in our Christian lives. We start getting, you know, overcome with just apathy. What do we do? I think the solution is exactly what we found here. We just reverse it. Remember your deliverance. For those of us that are in Christ, that made the decision to be united with Christ, die to our sins, be buried with Christ in baptism, the rise to walk in the newness of life, if we remember our deliverance, where has God taken us out of in our lives? If those things are forgiven, those sins that we got caught up in, that kind of hold us back a little bit, where if you only knew where I came from, if you only knew what I said, if you knew what I did, if those are done, they're left in the water, they're, they're clothed in blood, let them go so that you can walk forward. And I think one of the, the reasons we get caught up is that we think too little of ourselves because we allow our sin to distort our view of ourselves and what we can do with God. We're limiting the power of God by limiting ourselves instead of being strengthened by Him and letting it all go. So remember your deliverance. Remove the traces of Egypt. You see, part of them establishing their identity was establishing their identity outside of Egypt. Those people that wanted to go back, they thought about all the blessings and things that were back there, but they had missed that God was just preserving them in that moment but he was pointing them to something better. So we get rid of the unhealthy mindset, but then we also have to remove the traces of Egypt. We are now identified in Christ. What people should see in our lives and our speech and in our conduct is the mind of Christ, the life of Christ. We are these lights shining on a hill. And number three, rebuild trust with God. At some point, for those of us that are in Christ, we said, we trust you, God, and we're going we're gonna to repent. We're going to put all these sins to the side. We're going to be buried with Christ. And we're going to rise to walk in the newness of life. That is full and complete trust, submission to God's will. But as we go through life, we forget that beginning submission to God's will, 
and we start wanting to do our own things, living our own way. Maybe it's not as intentional as saying, God, I don't want to do your will. We just get caught up. We get unfocused. And before we know it, we're caught in that vicious cycle that we've spoken of before. We have to rebuild trust with God, and it might look like us going back into the wilderness with Him. There's a beautiful little verse that is challenging to me in this whole going back and trusting God, and it's found in Hosea chapter 2. Hosea chapters 1 and 2 are showing how the Israelites betrayed God, and they started going after other gods. It was cheating on him. He said it was adultery. It was whoredom. It was things that you shouldn't belong to, that you shouldn't be a part of. And he's talking about, he said, look, if you continue in this practice, I can't be with you. It's the blessings and the cursings. It's being away from God. He said, look, I can't be with you. And your sins, that, that's just going to go ever before you. And it's kind of like what Hosea is going through is he married a, a prostitute. and said, uh, Gomer even left him, and now he's going to go buy her back is where the, the chapters are heading. But as God is telling him, he said, look, if you go away from me, Israel, you keep going down this path, you keep betraying me, uh, not trusting me, and having the wrong mindset, and, and having the traces of your previous life, I'm not going to be with you. But look at God's solution, and it's one that speaks very clearly to us today in Hosea chapter 2, verse 14. As God is looking at this, this wife that has left him, he says in verse 14, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness, speak tenderly to her, and there I'll give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a, a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as in the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. Part of this wilderness experience beforehand and what God was trying to accomplish in the, accomplish in the midst of was just learning to trust Him. The fact that they got to spend 40 years together in the wilderness, just God and His people. And by the end of it, they're ready to fight. They're willing to go into the promised land and obliterate the enemy, do whatever they need to to conquer the sin that's waiting for them there that they're ready to get rid of. The 40 years in the wilderness was actually for God to teach them to change their minds, to find their identity in Him, and to trust Him. If you've been wondering, if you've been away from God, God wants you to come back. He wants you to change your mind. He wants you to... To, to leave the old life and to be found in Him, and He wants you to just trust Him. Reestablish that relationship. Don't keep wandering aimlessly. Change your life. And maybe there's somebody here this morning that is really struggling. You're in Christ, but you've allowed things of this world to get in your way. You've allowed uh, thoughts to come to your mind or practices that are against God's will. Stop struggling with them and with God. Can we pray with you? We've been praying together uh, today, but can we pray in a more open way if you're struggling with something so that we can hold each other accountable so that we can be strengthened together through this? Maybe there's someone sitting here today that you're wondering out in the world before you've even gotten into Christ. You've got all the sin, you've got all the baggage, you've got all the, the death and everything that comes from Egypt and you want to be delivered from that. Die to that sin. Give it up. Repent from it. Come to God. Be united in Christ. Trust uh, what God is saying that you will, you will die to that way of sin. You'll be united with Christ and you'll rise to walk in the newness of life, ready to conquer anything that's there. Stop thinking so little of yourself and start thinking about how great God is. You'll just take the step and do what needs to be done. Are you wondering today? Can we help you as we stand and as we sing?
kneel at the cross. Christ will meet you there. He intercedes for you. Lift up your voice.